Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Gigabit Nation. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and we're here to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get broadband everywhere it needs to be. Um, last August, I interviewed the mayor and the mayor pro tem for Salisbury, North Carolina, uh, where they had just announced an increase of their marketing effort uh, and getting more of the their constituents aware of the um, the network, the fiber network, and also the uh, the city announced a uh, the gigabit service last year as well. And then September rolls around. And we hear that all of a sudden, um, Salisbury has a 10 gigabit network. And so I figured it's time to figure out what's all of this stuff going on there. And so I have with me today Kent Renrich, who is the Director of Broadband and Infrastructure. Ken, Good welcome afternoon. to the show. Thank you, sir. So... Um, Let's give a little bit of background. I mean, I know a fair number of folks are in my audience are familiar with um, uh, Fibrant, but just to give a little bit of context, and then we'll we'll talk about this new development. Okay. Well, Fibrant's been around since about 2010. Um, the decision was made back in 2009 to uh, build a fiber infrastructure to the home based on the fact that the uh, incumbents um, had no plans to expand or, or upgrade any, any of the infrastructure, even if we uh, offered to pay them. So um, the city made its own decision to put out its fiber network, and uh, we've been growing it ever since. Mm-hmm. And now when, when, you, when you started, what was the, the speeds or you know, the general range of speeds uh, five years ago? Well, I started in December with the city, um, so I've been I'm fairly new addition. Uh, it started out uh, originally at about 100 megs. Um, within the last year, a little over a year ago, they brought up a gig, and then of course this uh, this summer we brought up 10 gigs. Okay, so now um, I guess the, the first question people I want to know is um, how much of an effort was that to to uh, get this thing from being a service to a 10-gig service? Uh, well, it took um, new core routers. Um, it took, obviously, new fiber drops. And it took a, um, a method to be able to get the 10 gigs out to out to the, uh, the public or the, the whole city. So mm-hmm. it, it took a little bit of uh, a bit of engineering. Um, my background, though, is from dealing with 10-gig and 100-gig fibers over in Europe. So um, we're taking a look at, you know, what was our bandwidth usage? Are we starting to uh, to peak out at, at a gig? And, and during, you know, if you will, Netflix time, and uh, during the evening time, we were starting to, to max out. I thought, well, we better start looking at how we can uh, increase our bandwidth and so that we can provide, uh, have a little more headroom for those people that, that need, uh, need the service, especially in the evening time. So we dropped in some 10-gig fibers. And uh, then I thought, well, okay, we've got this here. How can we get this out to the rest of uh, the rest of the city? It's and and offer it to the, the businesses, or if they're at some point in time a resident that wants it, 
how do we get it out there? So we started partnering with Calix, and um, they gave us the the hardware that we're, was, we're able to uh, get it out to uh, a test customer in the form of uh, Catawba College. And now we have the ability to uh, provide, of course, gig, but we also have the ability to provide 10 gig um, over our fiber network. Okay. So in so if I'm, if I'm understanding this correctly, um, you were running into an issue of maxing out the service even when you were offering a gig uh, capacity to use Right. Our total bandwidth usage over the network um, was peaking up. And so we started flatlining at the top and or getting close to it. We were about, you know, 70, 80%. And uh, we, we had uh, in the budget prepared uh, to upgrade our core routers. And we decided to go to enterprise level and then drop in 10 gig uh, uh, optics. And uh, that really helped us out quite a bit. We went from a, a router that was about 60, 70% utilization to a router that's um, use about 3% utilization. So we have a total um, a backplane of about 640 gigs for, for the city right now. Okay. Now, at that um this capacity that you're adding that you're adding to the network um are we getting into a point where um we're going to have to do these kinds of upgrades every year or so in other words if we've got um you know a bunch of com uh, communities at now that have a, a gigabyte service and um now, are we going to see a lot of those um, gigabit networks become 10 big gigabit networks? Um, Winston, where do we go from from there, from here? Well, I don't think it's necessary for everybody to go to 10 gigs. Um, we have a couple of colleges in town, and we have some um, good-sized uh, businesses in town that we thought it would be a benefit to be able to do that. And it was fairly simple to do. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it's necessary that every city does that, um, but they're probably going to need to up their input bandwidth um, so they're not maxing out. And that's mm -hmm. really kind of where it all started for us. Okay. Now, is there a situation where – so basically what you're just talking about is um, you have a high end of uh, X number of users, and you can increase the capacity – for the rest of the users, and then at some point you have to then create a new ceiling. I mean, at some point, not necessarily next week, right. but um, is that a real assessment of things? Yeah, it, it is. Um, uh, the the benefit to uh, our hundred meg customers or our gig customers is that we've got much greater headroom, uh, quite a bit of headroom right now. So, uh, so that they won't see any, you know, if they're doing the Netflix or they're doing YouTube or something like that, there won't be any buffering. Um, and that's that's the big benefit for, you know, the a average person who's got our our lower end is 100 mag mm -hmm. service. And so the uh, upper level is the gig. And both of them will see benefits to this because of greater input to our core routers. Okay. So it's, a, it's, it's an, in essence, it's a full network win 
um, even though there will be a small segment of the population that actually uses the gig, or now case using the 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 the, the, four, the ten gigs. Right. Uh, it definitely benefits everybody um, with a, with a greater input, and we can go higher as well. Um, we we just add a couple more optics or a couple more fibers, and, and we can go higher if we need to. Um, mm-hmm. But we're also looking at uh, our our dark fiber in, in the city as well, and we need to manage that that traffic. So um, it, it's it's a benefit all across the whole network, and and because we did go completely fiber end to end. Um, we, that's just such such a big benefit to be able able to do that because we're so flexible in how we crank up our speeds. Okay, oh, that, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, now, in terms of the, so you mentioned that you have the routers and so forth. Does the uh, infrastructure that goes to the premise does that have to change? As number one, and also um, do the Devices that people use, you know, their laptops, their um, uh, their regular desktop computers, and so forth. Do those need to change, you know, in order to make full use of the um, gig or ten gigs, or are they they just that stays the same? Okay, well, let's start off with um, the first question was, uh, what did we need to make? Changes to the front end is was that the to, the, to, to the customer? You know, there's a lot of stuff. Does those things have to change at the customer site? No, there's nothing that needs to change at the customer site. Um, un- unless you're going to 10 gigs, then then we need a DMARC point, and probably you need a router and the like. Um, mm-hmm. If they're going 10 gigs, of course, there really isn't um, that much as far as computer that will handle a full 10 gig on its own. Um, but we did some testing with Catawba where they put up 10 uh, one-gig servers and hit against uh, Google uh, servers for a full hour to see if they could. We told them to try to break us, and okay. uh, that way we, they ran full full tilt for an hour with the rest of the city running on it, and we really didn't notice any, any difference or had any problems. But as far as the end end users, no, they don't have to change anything if they stay a gig or less. If they go over gig, they have to change out some optics um, or okay. an ONT or how we how we feed them. Okay. Now, then, if I look at the, the, the average home, one of the things I'm assuming they're coming out as this, as this change happens is that... Um, Whereas you might have two or three devices in play, you know, depending on if you have kids or, you know, if you have teenagers in particular, um, the uh, the ability to handle multiple devices from a home, that should improve too, wouldn't it? I would spend, I Absolutely. Mean, okay. Yeah. Yeah, in our labs we've been testing a lot of a uh, number of AC routers as well. We did do um uh we had a trade show here in town in one of the facilities and we put a gig fiber into uh into the trade show facility and we're testing out a couple of different uh routers and wireless routers and we had one where a single router was handling about 40 to 45 um clients some of them were doing high def uh, YouTube feeds, 
And at the edge of the trade show on my cell phone, I was still getting 450 megs up and down um, with that many people on it, and at the edge of the range of, of, the, um, of the router. So we're, we're looking at, at wireless as well as wired connectivity um, and offering it to the homes. Okay. By the way, I, uh, that reminds me, um, your network obviously is a, is a fiber network, but how much mm-hmm. of a play does wireless get in the overall infrastructure build-out? Um, some people just have their, say, their city workers on a wireless network. Um, in some places, they uh, create just certain spots, hot spots, that are right. wireless. And then once when I go was on my show yesterday, um, they are basically putting uh twenty meg symmetrical wireless all over town as a uh a bridge while they are building out their full fiber network. Well, we're fully built out. We have been since twenty ten. So um we right. don't need any bridges in the in the right. city itself. Um, as far as uh, workers and employees, every one of our buildings is presently has Wi-Fi, um, and we're trying to get to – we have some public areas as well. It's really important that we expand our Wi-Fi footprint because all of the students within the, the county school district are on either um, iPads or uh, Air, Mac Airs. Um, they actually don't use printed books. So we need to increase our footprint in, with our Wi-Fi, and we're presently working on that. Oh, interesting. So it's a um, – I'm, I'm trying to not to go down too many tangents, but um, what you're describing is a we're, – we're getting rid of these books that people really get um, you know, big big influx of expense – and now you just put everything online, and so right. um, now how how further far afield is that beyond the actual campus? Uh, well, we like I said, we have parks and we have civic centers and we have libraries and the like that are are being covered with Wi-Fi. But we're also going to try to start working on um, underprivileged neighborhoods that. Okay. Um, May not, for example, put a Wi-Fi hotspot in in uh, an underprivileged area and make sure that we're covering those um, students as well. And we're we're looking at identifying those those locations and making sure we're filling those spots. Okay, no, that that makes a that makes a lot of sense. And um, to coming back to the uh, let's see, coming back to the build-out issue. Um, How much or how exactly do you guys figure out the, the the planning and the implementation such that you supply that you um, involve your vendors in much more than a, just a you know here's some stuff and you take uh, that that gets into you know the warehouse and then it's distributed. Um, is there more more of a uh, partnership that goes between the vendor and the city? Um, you know, how how does that part of the deal work? 
Well, we definitely are partnered with uh, with a lot of our vendors. Um, you know, we use Zone for quite a bit of our our residential, um, and they they come in on an ongoing basis and. And likewise with Calix, and we tell them, hey, we want to take a look at possibly doing the next step, whatever the next step may be, or we want to provide new services. Um, we have other partners. Um, we're going to be actually going to be offering a, uh, instead of a triple play, a quadruple play for businesses, including video teleconferencing. Um, mm-hmm. So we're, we're partnering with um, and and putting into our labs new new hardware from from our suppliers and our vendors and trying them out and trying to become a beta site or an alpha site even for for some of the vendors. Okay. Because one of the things that that, um, got me thinking about this is that um, a number of cities have said that uh, it's important to, when you're dealing with multiple vendors, you want to create, not to create a situation where everyone says it's not my fault, <laughs> you know, because right. the software is saying, well, we've got our thing and we're doing okay, and then the hardware people have their thing and so forth. But you can get into one of those 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 do loops kinds of things where you're just being going from place to place trying to find the problem. Is there like a system or a person or a firm that manages all of that? you know, traffic and issues with your various vendors? Well, we have, I have basically two department heads. One is uh, my IT manager, and the other one is my data center manager. And they do do different things, uh, and they do have to work with each other, and they work with the vendors. So it's it's a multiple-person partnership. Um, my head-end person, my data center person, has to deal with... Uh, um, a lot of the video work and um, some of the IT, but he also relies on the IT manager to work on the higher end, um, uh, uh, the routers and, and some of the switches and, and, and some of the addressing. So mm-hmm. we mainly manage that internally, but our partners have been very helpful, and we've really not had too many, too many issues dealing with uh, uh, troubleshooting problems. Okay. I think it's mainly because we have a good management team here. Right, because I'm I'm sensing that as these networks become more the norm, that the vendors have um, are figuring out how to structure themselves so that they can work together and eliminate that kind of a, a, a problem. Right. Right. Yeah, we're we're seeing a lot of uh, cross connectivity, um, just a lot of uh, ability to work with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and like I said, it hasn't been too much of an issue, which we've been very pleased with. I hope it stays that way. No, right, that, that makes a lot of sense. Because I mean, when I first started writing about um, municipal wireless, this was a big deal, especially in a place like Philadelphia, for example, um, when they had these different teams and vendor teams. And they're trying to figure out who's going to work well with whomever, and it got really crazy, I think, in the in the, for for bed. And so, but obviously, I mean, you know, we're, we're seeing that we we're past a lot of that, and so people are figuring out that they kind of need to, you know, tighten up on their right, side. Right. right. Okay. Right. That makes sense. Um, in terms of needs, right? We're we're. Uh, 
are there specific types of needs that you're seeing in the business world or certain type of industries that um, is well suited to having a um, a gig network um, be really valuable to them? Well, medical definitely. Um, education, collaboration, um, engineering, um, a lot of collaboration. Uh, and I think the collaboration is going to be a bigger issue as a bigger issue meaning um, uh, there's going to be we're going to see greater collaboration. Um, conferencing, uh, modeling, uh, live modeling, live collaboration is going to be, I think, really a, a big step. But medical is going is is easily you know, an easy, um, low hanging fruit for for such a a gig or ten gig network. Um, it's easy to use up a full gig for live medical imaging, and we want to be able to get that across our, either our network or to another network. Um, so we need bandwidth to be able to do that, um, and just large companies just will gobble up bandwidth left and right. Um, so uh, we're and colleges and and um, people creating applications. So we're working on uh, doing a um, incubator that developers come in and do some testing with new apps, and you've got a, a full 10 gig bandwidth network to work with. Um, which is you know rather unique, we believe, and and there's been quite a bit of interest in in working on an incubator like that. A number of people mm-hmm. have come forward and expressed interest in that. Now, from the uh, from the business side, do you think, either directly or indirectly, you will start to see certain types of industry more uh, gravitating to uh, Salisbury because of this uh, 10 gate service. Definitely. Um, for for example, uh, we've had a number of people contact us to host uh, in our data center because we have the bandwidth and we're we're right between Sol's, or excuse me, right between um, uh, Charlotte and Raleigh, and uh, we're on, on, a, on a real nice pipe. Um, there's a lot of interest in more data center work in this area. Um, we see a lot of interest in in development. Um, it's interesting that uh, one another interest, believe it or not, is is we've had a real estate agent come uh, drive up to sh- from Charlotte to us asking what was going on here because she's been receiving a number of phone calls with people interested in moving to Salisbury because of of the data. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, are a surprising large number of. Um, uh, high data users in the area, and they're working from home, um, and 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 it comes in. You know, that's the type of person that or the company we're looking for. Not just companies, but individuals, talent mm-hmm. that uh, could utilize this uh, this bandwidth um, for you know, office at home or business at home, um, and, and telecommute. Um, there's no need to go into the big cities when you can just. Um, Telecommute via video or via uh, um, your, your data, your data being able to be transmitted so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that there is a um, direct tie-in between high data and video? And what I mean by that is, um, is everyone who has the need for moving a lot of data are they are they likely to use video? Or um, 
or is it for distinct kinds of businesses that are using one or the other? Well, the, the video is definitely um, an aspect of it. Um, but, if, for example, if you're using architecture files or medical files or um, you know, large file transfers or if you're doing data backup or disaster recovery, and I have another company that wants to put a disaster recovery um, server farm in, into our, our data center as well. So, um, to, and, and some of the businesses locally are are looking to initiate their first uh, a disaster recovery um, facility. So um, now that we've got you know, the bandwidth to be able to back them up real quick, um, they'll be able to put we'll be able to put servers in our data center and and we'll be able to do big data transfers and uh, and also like I said, video is is, is a big deal um, and I think it's going to be a bigger deal. But I think it's going to be some of the collaboration and the 3D collaboration where life could get real interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, this thing just came in my mind here. Um, I know you may not know or not, but um, is there a, I don't know, some sort of uh, like alliance or partnership between um, real estate people and uh, whoever within a city is managing their um their fiber network because every, a number of times people say yeah well you know our you know we talked to a real estate person who says you know they've got new companies that are looking at us and so forth but I'm just wondering if they sort of if people are for, sort of formalizing the relationship between the real estate world and the the management of the the network Def, well, locally, I, I'm reaching out to the real estate agents, and there's, there's a couple of uh, local organizations of different real estate uh, uh, companies, and um, working on doing presentations to them on how to sell high data, how to sell um, the bandwidth that we've got as part of a real estate deal. Uh, in addition, I'm also talking to builders about the issues that they need to deal with with upcoming networks. Uh, no longer are people putting in coax cable. It's going to be passe pretty quick. So right. I'm educating them on, you know, you need to be getting Cat 5, Cat 6 going here, and you de- this is how you need to work uh, uh, to lay it out within a house. So I'm meeting up with uh, home building associations as well. And then once uh, a, a builder has a neighborhood put together, we have a trailer that we can take out to the new neighborhood and the trailer kind of introduces all the the new um homeowners to the services we offer and so we're reaching out to all the way to the to the customer at that point mhm well that that seems very progressive i uh and, and and welcome actually you know i've talked to folks again about um you know we have people will talk about the intersect between you know real estate people and the people driving the network but uh you know your sounds like you know you're uh being more proactive in engaging how you know the real estate or the real estate folks are working as part of the the team in a certain sense and uh, right well you've but, got to get all the members uh singing from the same hymnal if you will <laughs> um, uh, everybody needs to uh needs to have an understanding the city needs to have an understanding and anybody involved in the, in the whole process of moving talent and companies to the area need to have an understanding for what they're working with 
and and um, you know it's it's brand new. It is it's it's real estate agents should not have to have to uh, um, digest the technology. I should be able to digest that for them and give them the selling points so that they can take take that away and and continue selling real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to shift a little bit to talk about the the, the colleges because we mentioned a little bit about. Um, uh, having Wi-Fi as a way to support uh, uh, the, the campus that is, you know, trying to get, do away with the books. Um, mm-hmm. Overall, um, how do you see the colleges in and around Salisbury um, benefiting from the service in addition to having wireless capability? But what what else do you see ch- changing or improving or whatever? Um, in Catawba's instance, um, they're setting up a lab, and this lab can be a part of uh, bringing in uh, new developers as well. But they'll be setting up a lab to be able to work with 10 gig, um, so they have a better understanding from their own staff and also from uh, or the ability to give to their their uh, their um, students the ability to work with uh, the 10 gig as well. In addition, mm-hmm. it'll be eventually be spread out. That's uh, an infrastructure that they need to put together or finish off. It'll be spread out throughout the uh, the campus, probably more on, on, on a one gig level, but they'll have to be able, the ability to spread that over through, uh, throughout their whole campus. We have another college in town called Livingstone who we're talking to, and they are working on a culinary college where they want to be able to take some of their classes and uh, share those those culinary classes around the world. In addition, they would like to have that in return where you have, let's say, a master chef over in Paris, and he, we can bring him in uh, to, to the students here in town and... Um, and present uh, have him present directly to to the students here in Salisbury. We also have a community college that's doing some engineering and and environmental work and if they're getting into, into the engineering work they're going to have a lot of uh a lot of high high end files that will need some transfer in addition they want to try to spread out and offer some remote class uh, as well so we'll be able to get in, get them involved in in doing that. Mhm. And then that um, with the remote classes and distance learning, um, mm-hmm. do you see um, an uptake or an increase of people participating in a distance learning type of capacity? Um, well, there's definitely an interest. We've only um, we're just getting started with these colleges. Um, I personally mm-hmm. have worked with colleges. Um, Around the world that have are, are interested in that, the issue that I'm seeing is that um, a lot of these colleges and universities are also looking to collaborate with other colleges and universities, and, and there's no real communication avenue. And we hope to be able to provide at least some some get some colleges and universities talking to each other on how they can share classes and and share experiences uh, it's it's it would be interesting to go to you know, to take different perspectives from different colleges around the world mhm and i think that's a fact that a lot of people maybe not understanding yet is that um one of the things that the network will do is Break down the um, the barriers 
the walls, if you will, both literally mm-hmm. and figuratively, between a community such as Salisbury and the world. Because right. once you're now not constrained because of bandwidth issues, um, ability to, to you know ability to use technology, uh, vi- um, video and so forth, um, you change the dynamic. You change the entire dynamic, the financial. Uh, the, the ability to study, to collaborate, and the question would be, you know, what can cities, especially smaller towns, what can you do to take advantage of this pending um, change? <laughs> um well, I mean, the, some of the smaller towns are just going to have to uh, partner up with. Uh, I mean, Salisbury is about thirty-five thousand. I wouldn't. Some people call that a small town. I guess. Um, I guess you could consider it that. But either you're going to have to build it yourself, or try to partner with a neighboring city and bring it together. Um, I have a, a number of neighboring cities that you know, we're about. 45 minutes outside of Charlotte. Of course, Charlotte uh, is is a Google t- uh, Google Fiber town, mm-hmm. which we're, we really we like that idea. Raleigh and Durham and and Charlotte and all that are all Google Google Fiber towns, which we like because we just see that as a growth of the whole area. Now, the smaller cities um, just will need to partner with somebody like ourselves and uh, expand into their into their areas. But uh, either that or they're going to have to build it themselves. But the, the, these smaller cities are going to have to, if they want to be competitive, are going to have to be, uh, be on the ball and, and start moving forward with some of this technology. Or they're going to be left behind. Right. And I would think, too, that also, you know, we talk about colleges and we think about the average student and, you know, 18, 19, whatever. Um but if you look at the perspective that learning never stops and whether you're doing professional advancement or you're just, you know, wanting to know more, um, that there's a whole um, market, if you will, for people outside of college that have moved, either they graduated from college or they never went to college, but they're now in their 30s, 40s, you know, and and above, and above. Um, when you change and this whole thing of you know getting rid of the walls, you know, between our colleges, I don't you think that you would also open up new markets for anybody who wants to learn. Well, exactly. Uh, um, I mean, for example, um, somebody who's working full time and can take evening classes. Mm-hmm. Um, that to be able to get a master's uh, remotely, um, and people who say are, are living way up in the mountains, and uh, I don't have the ability to physically get down to some of the colleges or getting to a college that offers. Uh, a master's or, or a degree that you're looking for, but it isn't it isn't really reasonable for you to drive to that that college. Maybe it's too far away. Uh, it's, it opens up many avenues, um, many avenues for new for people to expand their knowledge and expand their their education. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I guess a, a week or so ago, I wrote a report regarding um, finding 
new money for broadband. Uh, one of those things I put out there is um, <clears throat> we talk a lot about. I mean, it's a change of discussion right at this point. Um, we we talk about using broadband to make it so that seniors can uh, live at home in their actual home easier. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of it is because of the health issues uh, that that right. older people have to deal with. But what if we take it one step further and said, why don't we change the nature of how healthcare and medical services are delivered in the home because of the same technology? So that um, you know, for example, I I, I had a um, a stroke in January. And some of the issues of trying to, you know, deal with life afterwards has been a bit of a bear. Um, but a certain amount of what I'm able to do happens to do uh, deal with um, being able to work from home, you know, being able to have access to uh, either medical knowledge or business and business contacts and so forth. But if we think about the healthcare process, Will we not figure out, especially when you got like a, 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 a gigabit network or a 10 gigabit network, you can change and basically you can bring the hospital to the home. I mean, that's right. people a little uncomfortable, but, you know, sickness is a fact of life. And Correct. so wouldn't that change the, the, the nature of how you deal with, you know, health issues as a city, as a community? Uh, I, I don't know about you, but if I have the flu or something like that, the last thing I want to do is go into a doctor's office, which you know will spread the disease even more. So um, if we can do that from from home, I think that will help help knock down the spreading of the disease, and uh, I'll feel feel a lot more comfortable sitting in my t-shirt and sweatpants as opposed to you know getting dressed up and having to sit in an office for a while. So right. I think it's going to actually cr- create more efficiencies, and I believe uh, doctors can see more more students, or students, more patients um, uh, via uh, doing it online as opposed to you know going through, filling out all your paperwork online, getting that all taken care of, all your insurance done in advance, and just have a one-on-one you know, contact uh, through video conferencing. It's is going to be far more efficient. Now, granted, that's not going to f- apply to every single instance out there, but uh, if it can take care of some of the simpler ones, that's that's a great start. Right. And I would put out there to you know to the audience that um, if your community has a network or has plans to build a network, one of the things that should be doing in addition to um you know making sure that you've got the right technology and infrastructure in place but there are issues with doctors not being sat, uh tech savvy enough to take advantage of the opportunity right cuz i've heard people say that you know we could do a lot of stuff with with telemedicine but but the the, the doctors aren't on top of it you know they're the they're the gating factor sometimes, and that's right. one issue. And the other one is, and this becomes you know a state issue sometimes, is that the the insurance issues and um, dealing with 
service from doctors in the different county or a different state become a gating factor as well, uh, working against telemedicine. And so if you're going to, you know, have this dream, like you guys obviously do, that there needs to be some work done to to address those factors. One is your, your doctors, and the other part is your uh, lawmakers, to make sure that mm-hmm. they're being proactive in the issues that deal with telemedicine. Well, and... And those of us, uh, those cities that are interested in in providing fiber to the home or broadband to the home, um, we need to be we need to work together at creating a, more of a single voice. In North Carolina, they have we have a law that prevents any other municipality from forming their own broadband network. And mm-hmm. I'm working presently working on talking to uh the state representatives about you know presenting our side of the issue listen to to, ha- to tell them about you know here's how here's the benefits for the residents of the state that you need to allow some flexibility you need to allow some choice and make it available to um every resident who chooses to have it um and you can't hold back on the technology but it's it's sitting with the with some of the representatives and and just educating them on some of the issues uh that that face uh the residents through technology and likewise with the uh, some of the medical doctors I'm more than happy to sit locally with uh any medical person that um feels like they need we actually do have a pretty good medical network here in the area that they're pretty tech savvy we're very fortunate with that but that doesn't that doesn't happen with every every uh every location so we just have to be fortunate here right and uh, and i think that a certain amount of activism okay if i'm i'm act, if i'm being honest i mean i'm asked sort of advocating a serious amount of activism um because we're reaching a point or we probably have reached past it, where the technology uh, has changed significantly, and yet you have states such as Tennessee and North Carolina where the legislatures are, they're they're holding everything back, and it makes no sense. I mean, it, it really makes no sense, and I think the only way... That is going to be um, improved is when people rise up and make a lot of noise and make it a, a campaign issue. I mean, I I I've watched in North Carolina and what has happened over the last eight years in you know from you know, getting these kinds of laws beat down until it finally you know did get passed. But I think that you know whatever can has been passed can be unpassed. I mean, is what that word? Right. But, you know, it seems like we just we we just need to get there some way. Well, and I think it's that's through just education. That that's just through um, um, just making the point known that you know, what are the benefits of of having more choice in in communities. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that message has been has been forwarded properly. I don't think it's been expressed properly. We've been too busy just worrying about our local own local issues 
um, that uh, you know that that whole story has not been told, and so I can understand how that happened. Um, it doesn't make it right, um, but I think we just need to do a better job of telling our story and telling what the true advantages are of having your own municipal network and investing in 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 that network. I mean, a lot of people, um, you know, 20 years from now may consider broadband to be on the same level as as you know water coming to your house you you expect the city to provide water to you um, mm-hmm. perhaps you you'll you'll expect the city to provide broadband or at least have the option to have the city broadband and we're not saying you know take away um the other choices we just say well at least allow us to to have that choice right by the way, I we and I we you and I exchanged a couple of text messages before the start uh, the show started. Um, it had to do with the issue of co-ops because um, I mentioned yesterday's guest was uh, was a co-op from Minnesota. Um, Minnesota does not have nearly as tight a restriction as North Carolina. Yet they do, but they do have one, and um, and their co-ops. Are becoming um, very aggressive at making the case that we are an option. We're a sound mm-hmm. option because we, you know we run the the, co- the, the electricity, uh, the utilities. Um, you know we we have systems in place, all that kind of good stuff. To say you know we're not necessarily the only choice, and we're not saying we need to be in place of another joy- choice, but from the standpoint of you know moving the world in their state forward, that um, that there needs to be an effort to bring the, the, these people together, and it would seem like North Carolina would be in that same uh, position. Yeah, I don't believe there are any limitations on the co-ops in North Carolina. As a matter of fact, um, there are a lot of mountain cities that are. You know, way back in the mountains, that the electrical co-op and the telephone co-ops were abandoned by the the larger incumbents, so the local people had to come pick it up and 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 do their own their own telephone service. So mm-hmm. now these co-ops are actually becoming quite uh, technologically savvy, even more so than some of the medium-sized cities. And you'd be surprised. You get up in the Appalachian Mountains, there are a number of gig cities sitting up there. Mm-hmm. And to their benefit, I mean, they, they were on, they were smart enough to make that, to make that uh, move, and now they're going to benefit greatly by greater education for their, for their uh, residents, and and uh, perhaps attracting more businesses. Mm-hmm. Now it seemed like another thing that that you know bothers me a lot these days is that um, it, it it seems like. We could find common ground between our municipalities, our co-ops, and our um, traditional private sector providers. Mm-hmm. That um, and we're and we're seeing this happen in a num- number of other states, where you know sometimes the incumbents aren't happy that there are cities doing what they're doing, or there are co-ops or whatever, but. They deal because it makes sense from a business perspective, and I find it so difficult to, why people can't, in you know, in some of these public, uh, these private companies, 
can't seem to to grasp it. I mean, it, it just totally boggles my mind sometimes. Well, I guess some people are are kind of stuck in in the old thought process of you know, the way things were, and, and you know, a lot of these monopolies were were actually set up by the cities themselves. And they just created a monopoly by um, doing a franchise to one to one vendor only. So, well, let's you know, open that up and and allow some choice. So, some of the municipalities need to, to take a look at themselves as well, but also some of the state governments. And um, and it, is, it isn't always easy selling this whole idea that you need to spend a whole bunch of money to be able to to bring in a fiber optic network. Uh, mm-hmm. Not everybody sees that benefit. Um, and and we, you know we had our own battle here in Salisbury, but uh, I think we've made the point pretty clear now, especially as we see more cities uh, really kind of clamoring for, for getting some some broadband other than the than your uh, incumbent. Mm-hmm. And then that that brings up a question. So, um, this was a contentious issue years ago. What is the level of constituent satisfaction now? And even among people who aren't users of the network, I mean, where where they are they just as you know? Are there just many people who are uh, hostile? Are we all kind of coming together and saying, you know, as a city, this is a community asset and we need to get behind it? I mean, where where so what's the dynamic now? That's that's actually a very good question. Um, for a while, uh, there was a lot of back push. Uh, Pushback, I should say, on um, on why the investment was made and how much money was invested and the like. Uh, now that we are very well established and uh, are very stable, there's been a, a real good turnaround on people understanding why the investment was made, and there is a, there are quite a few people now getting behind and really being very proactive into. Um, into supporting the fiber network and supporting what we're doing here. Um, so it's it's taken a while, but uh, we have we have quite a bit of support uh, throughout the city, and uh, and we're adding more and more customers every day. Mm-hmm. And then I I was you know that, that's that's definitely a good uh, situation. Um, I was going to go talk about um, it'll it'll sorry it'll 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 come to me. Um, in terms of, of uh, the competitive landscape, what is, you know, the, the, the response has been, what has it been uh, since you've now announced a 10-gig service? I mean, do the, you know, do your competitors uh, try to match this in some way? Are they even able to match, uh, you know, to address it in some way? What what happens to the the competitive landscape now? Well, what are the competitors is try to turn up their speed uh, a little bit. Um, I think about as fast as they can go, but um, even their fastest speed is still toward our lower end of what we're able to offer. Um, they would basically need to go in and and completely redo their infrastructure here in the city to be able to go any further. Uh, and, and another one still is actually there's another one offering. Uh, DSL service and some of it out in in the to the county, but um, are no longer making it available to certain homes that used to have it. So they're actually 
kind of retracting from where they were. And so we have areas 15 minutes away from the city of Salisbury where they have nothing but dial-up. And we're trying to we're trying to expand out to that area legally, and uh, try to meet the needs of the people that are way out in the in the country. Mm-hmm. So they really haven't been able to respond to us. Um, they don't. I don't think they have the technical uh, the capabilities of doing it anything close to us, um, unless they start laying over fiber or or doing some major changes to their present networks. Mm-hmm. Now I know this is probably a um, heresy in certain boardrooms, but you know I've always had the impression that building an infrastructure like a fiber infrastructure is something that cities do, right? Because they build the, you know the, the the water systems and the electricity systems and all that kind of stuff, right? So they're used to dealing dealing with that. They're also used to having you know, 15 or 20 year bonds or debt or whatever in some way or form or fashion, and mm-hmm. everyone's okay with that in in, the, in a city context. Why doesn't the larger companies like step back for a second and say, why don't we just let the city do the infrastructure and let us develop services that run on that infrastructure? Because mm-hmm. You know, there, there, there are people that seem to, you know, they, they, they consider it heresy. I mean, literally, and it seems so logical to me. But then, I made out of a different world. <laughs> yeah, well, make makes sense to me too. I mean, we made the offer to the incumbents, and they chose not to. Um, and so, uh, you'd have to ask them, I guess. <laughs> I really, I don't have a good answer for them. Um, I think it would made would have made sense, but. Um, uh, well, and the thing the thing is with video though, there's so many cord cutters right now that or cable cutters that um, that's going to be a trend that the cable industry is going to have to deal with, and the broadcasters are going to have to deal with that as well. I mean, we're talking beyond data now. We're, it's the 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 packaging is going to have to go to more a la carte because that's what the the market's going to demand. And um, we do offer triple play right now, so we do offer video services. But I tell you, if I could uh, find that sil- silver bullet that would let me put a Roku app or an Xbox app on and, and cover a la carte channels, I'd I'd be pretty happy about that. <laughs> Definitely, that makes sense. Um, so we got about five minutes. Let, let me the issue of um, the 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 value when. You mentioned that um, people are coming along with the fact that it makes sense, that that having Mm -hmm. this network makes sense. But how do you or do you present the case in some sort of dollars and cents or economic value that we can actually – that's more quantitative versus qualitative? You know, how, how how do you deal with that? that kind of question these days? Well, it's something I'm still working on. I've only been here since December, so um, I've been really focused on making sure the network is 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 completely stable. We've been up for over two years working on backup disaster recovery plans. In other words, working on uh, we were working on a, a warm backup site that's off campus 
Um, I've been working more on that as opposed to the actual numbers. I will get to those numbers, but uh, mm-hmm. I had I had to put uh, uh, um, I had to put together some 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 of the technology first. Um, and we've got uh, economic development people and the like that will take care of that. My focus is mainly on making sure that I'm providing a network to the city and to the economic development people um, that they can utilize and can promote. Mm-hmm. And I, I come and provide t- technology solutions to them. So um, I probably would refer more of that to our economic development people. No, that, that, that's fine. I, I understand. Um, now, it would be... Um would it be assess, uh, fair to say that we have more capability t- to measure this than, say, 10 years ago or even six years ago? Because in that time, people just couldn't really focus. They couldn't really say, you know, here's a very you know clear-cut dollars and cents reason or why we should do this. But have we reached a point where now people can actually – Quantify this stuff a little better. Do you think? Oh, de- well, definitely. I mean, there's there are people that are co- contacting me specifically because of our TED gig announcement. I mean, it doesn't get any more clear cut than that. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, there are people moving businesses or moving themselves to areas that have the quality of bandwidth that they're looking for and need uh, and require for being able to do day to day and their business. <coughs> And and there are people avoiding other municipalities or other locations that may not have any bandwidth at all. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, that's a case right there. I mean, I think that uh, we're getting more and more to a point where <clears throat> uh, it's making the decisions to be somewhere or not, either as as a personal level or as a business, and that. In and of itself is going to become then I don't know the 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 great justifier of why you build these networks. You know, right. it's sort of how, how I kind of see this thing um, playing. Um, I I've been very uh, pleased with how this has gone. Um, is there a last word, like literally a minute, um, of advice you would give to other communities that might still be in the, on the fence? Just keep trying. Find out from other uh, cities what they're doing, how they did it. Um, educate yourself. Know what the rules are. Know, know what. Know who you need to talk to. Start talking to technical suppliers, but uh, start talking to other cities that have done it already and and uh, see where you can um, where you can learn from them and, and learn from the early adopters you know we've done we've made some mistakes along the way but we've cleaned those up and uh, perhaps some of these early adopter uh, uh, cities can help you in uh, your situation okay that makes makes a lot of sense well I want to thank you very much for uh, your time uh, taking time to come and hang out and you know, tell us the word of what's going on in Salisbury and stuff. You're doing good stuff, so thank you very much. Thank you. My pleasure. <clears throat> and hopefully I'll get down there again to uh, hang out and see, you know, see the progress that's been gone, going on because there was a lot. So Indeed. Have a great Please day. come on down. All right, will do. And thank you very much for our audience for tuning in. Um, there will be more great shows over the upcoming weeks. So we'll talk to you again soon.
Take care.